The following podcast may be unsuitable for children or more sensitive listeners and may contain explicit language. You know what? This episode's with Brian Posehn, so it definitely contains explicit language. Let's not kid ourselves. Donald Trump revealing his new hairstyle. It's a perm. This is the It's All True podcast from TouchVision, powered by America's second favorite source for fake news, thewhiskeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Tim Barnes, and you just heard a fake news headline from MasterChef Graham Elliott. Each week on the show, I chat with a guest and ask them to reveal their own headlines for a funny, personal, true story. This episode of It's All True is recorded at the Englert Theater in Iowa City for the Witching Hour Festival with special guest Brian Posehn. I really am sick, and and, uh, I was sick in Toronto the other day, and then I went home and it kind of got worse, and then flying. Man, my life is tough, you guys. We talk about the humble beginnings of a stand-up career. And I had a nickname. I called myself the Piranha. You had a stage name? Yeah. What? That I gave myself. What? And his first starring role in the upcoming feature film, Uncle Nick. The sitcom (laughs) stuff that I got to do was so fun. Just to play the weirdo and just to come in and say shit and then make everybody go, what just happened? And then walk out. Those are fun. But then I always wanted, you know, something with a little more meat to finally get to do that. You know, it's been awesome. He also tells an incredibly true story that's actually pretty disgusting. Puking on my shit and... (laughs) The, guy, the comics working with me are just like, oh my God. <laughs> All of this coming right up, but before it does, here's Brian Posehn on stage. I never thought I'd be the guy that I've become that's about to talk about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, because growing up, I hated it when comedians would talk about having a kid. Like, I always fucking hated that, and now I'm that guy. And I used to do a joke even where I said... I fucking hate that shit so much. I hate it when guys would change when they'd have a baby. You know, they'd become totally pussified on stage. The next time you'd see them, they'd be like, I looked into my baby's eyes and I saw how precious life is. And beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I hate that so much. So I used to say, if you ever see me do that, if you ever see me up here on stage talking about my kid, like, he fell from heaven and he's made of angel wings and muffins and beep, beep, beep. <laughs> used to say, if I do that, I want you to punch my baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wrote that joke (laughs) pre-baby. And now I have an actual living baby that I would like to remain unpunched for as long as possible. And I know, having my shitty nerd genes, that will not work out for him. That was Brian Posehn in his stand-up special, The Fartist. One thing that's widely known about Brian is that he has a special love for wiener jokes. I wanted to know from the source what the fine art of composing a dick joke is. I like being dirty, but I've always, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that really makes me laugh. But I also like smart stuff. And uh, for me, when I'm writing that kind of thing, I want it to be something I've never heard. That's the main thing. 
Uh, you know, I, I want to write it from an angle that I've never heard before. I don't want to do a dick joke that you've seen a million times. <laughs> you want to do a dick I joke want, from an angle? Uh, yeah, and yeah. I want my dick joke to take you on a journey <laughs> to a place you've never been with a dick. <laughs> no, it sounds stupid, but it's true. It's like, that's the way a lot of my friends approach anything, you know, because there's so many areas in stand-up that have been covered and... You know, if you're not original, then yeah, stay away from those areas. But if you are original, you can fuck with those areas. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The, and the, all the guys I really like always did that, you know, uh, whether it's a guy like Louie deciding that he hates his baby, you know, because every other comic has always talked about how precious his baby is or whatever and how f hard being a dad is, which it's not fucking hard <laughs> at all. <laughs> Your father, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> this jackass. Do you ever think about how your child's humor will develop? Oh, yeah. We're going through that right now. <laughs> he's six, so it's already... He loves puns and wordplay. Uh, he's a big Weird Al kid already. That was his first concert. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. I'm making a mini nerd, but I'm also making a sarcastic little asshole. <laughs> <laughs> On purpose, and he's a metalhead, and he likes <laughs> and he likes the Ramones also, and he plays video games. He's me. He doesn't smoke pot yet. Um, when he's eight, I'm gonna take him out back. And <laughs> Has he told a, a dick joke yet? No. Well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But to him, it's just like, look at my wiener, and that. <laughs> you know, he's right. It's hilarious. <laughs> The joy a child has when they get a hard-on in the morning, I don't know if other people have experienced that. I don't that. know if I had a hard-on at the age of six in the morning. Is well, he's got good stock. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm made of hard-on. <laughs> no, I'm sweating. God, I really uh, I'm a mess. Anyway, yeah. He uh, he has had the the hard on, and we don't explain it. Well, we you know we don't want him to think it's weird, yeah, because it's not, you know. And so we just kind of giggle when he. <laughs> <laughs> My wife married me, so she's clearly a jackass too. So <laughs> I'm like, we'll be waking him, and you know, he's like barely awake, and we're putting his clothes on. I'm like, look at that thing, and she's like, shut up, like. <laughs> Uh, both you and I are from California. Oh, nice. Yeah, Where are you from, man? I'm from uh, actually South Central L.A. Yeah. Heard of it. You heard of it, yeah. I, me too. Like, I, was, I wasn't allowed to go outside as a kid, though, so that's, that's, that's why I'm a little bit of a nerd. Like, my favorite activity was right the television and, and the movie theater. I'm straight out of Sonoma, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little different. Yeah. Straight out of the wine country. <laughs> I'm a hard motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I started doing stand-up, I moved to Chicago first uh -huh. uh, because I could not imagine starting in California. Was it difficult starting Wait, in Santa Barbara? Wait, so you, where were you going to school? Were you, I went to college for a couple years in Santa Barbara. Okay. I was a film, film major. Okay. And then I quit that, and then I just started doing stand-up a little bit. So I'd go to like, Did music Did you have friends in Chicago? Or? No, no. I moved here with a friend of mine that's from California. Kind of, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Oh, you never thought of San Francisco or, like, somewhere close No, to? no, never even popped in my head. Huh. All right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, you do have to go somewhere to get funny, and Chicago's a great city. Because it's about the hero's journey, right? It will. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
No, but I mean, I think when you're in your small town, you know, it's that big fish, little pond shit. You know, I started in uh, Sacramento and, I, you know, if I would have stayed there, I don't know that I'd be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd probably still be in Sacramento. Uh, Doing... like, I don't know, the weird weather guy, you know. <laughs> And I really let myself go, like, this is the hot version of me. <laughs> but the guy that stayed in Sacramento, he's a fucking mess. That dude. <laughs> before you started doing stand-up, before you started going to open mics, who were the top tier of comedians? Oh, before I actually... Yeah, that's a yeah. great question. So, um, Steve, you wouldn't... Th- you don't see my influences. I don't wear my influences on my sleeve unless you look into it. You know what I mean? I Steve Martin... Uh-huh. And Robin Williams, just because that's when I was a kid. I mean, <laughs> in the mid-70s, and those records came out, I memorized them. And uh, never thought that was something I was going to do. I just was so nerdy about everything. Like, you know, I would buy the Star Wars books and look at the way the ships were built and all that shit and then draw them. Uh-huh. And then with stand-up, I would memorize routines. And then draw them. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I knew a kid... Who his parents were dicks and they wouldn't let him see that movie, The Bad News Bears. <laughs> and I spent an entire day at school telling him the entire fucking movie <laughs> and told him every line, every funny bit. <laughs> and then every, and he every loved lunchtime, it. So like, he, tell that story again. So he basically Brent. saw Bad News Bears <laughs> by another 10 year old telling him the entire <laughs> fucking story. And those are what I look back on, like the moments of. And I was also raised by a single mom. So, uh, yeah, things weren't always that fun, and my, I kind of relied on gallows humor, mm. and that was really early. But that didn't come from anybody I was watching. Gotcha. Because the guys I liked weren't really dark. They were kind of just weird. You know, <laughs> Steve Martin and Robin Williams were silly. And then, uh, this I know you wanted a shorter answer, but the, but it's just to show you where I, what I got into. Then, you know, it's like you'd hear names. And then my mom told me my dad liked Lenny Bruce, so then I sought out Lenny Bruce. Because I wanted to know what, you know, without getting corny with you, but uh, (laughs) what my dad was into. And then Mort Saul and all the Bay Area guys. And then the 80s came around. And by the time I started, it was a totally different type of guy that was huge. I started when Dice and Kennison were huge. (laughs) Which sounds so surreal to me. Yeah. Say hello to Andrew Dice Clay. Okay, here we go. Hey, Andrew. Hey. Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, eating. Occurred some way. Long came a spidey, sat down beside. He said, "Hey, what's in the bowl, bitch?" Was it surreal to you at the time, or did it feel? It was because yeah. you were like, "How am I gonna play?" You know, the fucking Madison Square Garden when I'm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it seems so far away. That that style of comedy too. And I kind of just wanted to tell goofy, personal, weird shit. Uh. But in the beginning, I, because I was influenced by those two guys, Kennison and, and Dice, I was really aggressive on stage. And so I, like, I would come out and. Is there just, footage of this anywhere? Ooh, my uncle took, shot some <laughs> shit. And I, yeah. Did you have a leather jacket? And no, he's, he's buried in Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I did. And I had a nickname. I called myself the Piranha. You had a stage name? Yeah. What? That I gave myself. What? Yeah. I didn't <laughs> wait for a friend to go, hey, you're the Piranha. No, I went, you guys, I'm the Piranha now. 
which is the best way to get a nickname. To what, was your, what was your f- first joke as a piranha? Uh, well, I had some funny ones, but one of the, like, the, great, the aggressive one was, uh, God. Uh. Yeah, I just walked out, and I go, I had my fist so far up my ass this morning, I lost my watch. <laughs> and then you're like, hey, storming. how are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm just imagining storming back <laughs> yeah, and forth on the yeah. stage as you say that. P- pacing <laughs> aggressively. Yeah. Michael Jackson has an album called Bad, pretty much. <laughs> so, Why don't you call it shitty? I'm assuming. Stuff like that. And then I learned, actually, the craft after that. Like, the first jokes I wrote were kind of false, though. They weren't, you know, and then I got really into, like I said, going back to Louie and uh. The Bay Area guys are what helped me be a better nice. comedian. So like, was that like Greg Proops? Yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, opening for Proops. Uh, you guys know Greg Proops? Everybody should know. Yeah. yeah. He's a guy I feel like not everybody knows, but because uh, he was like ahead of me and my buddies. Um, but he was the master in San Francisco. This guy, Warren Thomas, who passed, was uh, a fucking monster and just one of the funniest guys and like really good on his feet, which. I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> uh, those he was, guys. He was a, a, a political comic in a yeah, sense, too. He yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. And then Johnny Steele, who's still in the city. Those guys were the guys that we all looked up to, and they were doing their own thing, and they weren't like the guys on TV. They weren't the, you know, the skinny tie and the whatever, because at the end of the 80s and the early 90s, there was a fucking shit ton of unfunny motherfuckers on stand-up <laughs> on TV, you know, if you watched. There was some great shit, but yeah. there was a lot, a lot of terrible stuff. So the evolution from the piranha, it was the piranha, right? Not the pariah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ditched the piranha so quickly, by the way. Like, it didn't even go with me to San Francisco, but then all my San Francisco friends that you know, these yeah. guys, you know, Patton Oswalt wasn't going to let go of the piranha. <laughs> you know. Like, hey, piranha, <laughs> can you go get the groceries this week? Yeah. We was it an together. easy transition yeah. to be comfortable being yourself on stage, though? Um, yeah. I mean, once I decided that's what I wanted to do, and then I also, when I got hired for Mr. Show, I, um, I stopped doing stand-up for a little while. Tonight's Mr. Show was filmed in a cabin in the woods. It's our cabin. It's our property. Leave us alone. Thank you very much. Welcome to Mr. Show. I am Bob Odenkirk. And I'm David Cross. And thank you. Thank you. We have an interesting show for you tonight. David, you're not backing down on me, are you? No way, Bob. Comptata meme miata. One country, one nation, one One singular singular sensation. sensation. That's right. As of tonight, we are no longer party to the de facto corporate prostitute calling itself the United States. Mr. Show is a sovereign nation! We are a sovereign nation! That's the thing that people don't, of the 90s guys, stand-up kind of fell out from under us at one point. In 1993, most of the clubs in San Francisco closed, so we all panicked. And um, started doing improv. (laughs) Well, no, we started writing sketches. We did like a... um, uh, Weekend at JFK's, me and Blaine Kapatch and Patton Oswalt did a thing where JFK's dead. Obviously, he got shot that time, remember? <laughs> and then these two guys keep him alive. 
<laughs> by just carrying his corpse around and <laughs> partying with hookers in Dallas. <laughs> that was one of the first sketches I ever wrote. Did, so. any, uh, did any part of that influence your uh, uh, dead Deadpool comics? No, but it's all there. I mean, all my influences now, I feel like they're all there. Like, in everything I do... There's the nerdy stuff I love. There's the horror movies. There's the sarcasm. There's the dryness. There's the silliness. There's all these other things that I that I love in comedy, and they're all kind of. I try to yeah. put them all in a blender and you know see what we get. Huh. But uh, San Francisco was dying, so we all went to L.A. Like as a group, like it was myself, Greg Barrett, Margaret Cho. She kind of got well. She got picked out and. You know, she went to the big leagues, oh, yeah. and went to L.A. Who picked her out? It was like Robin Williams picked her up? And... No, it was a manager. She found a manager, and that's okay. what happened to me in Patton, too. This uh, this guy who's still our manager, Dave Rath, he came down from L.A. or came up to San Francisco from L.A., found us, brought us down there, got us MTV jobs. So my first writing jobs were like MTV shit with Doug Benson and huh. a couple other dudes. And then Mr. Show happened. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to be a road comic, you know, like this is way more fun. So then yeah. I wrote and then we did, you know, an alternative comedy <laughs> around L.A. I hated that as much as like Pearl Jam hates grunge. But you mean like, you, hated, you hated the genre, the name? No, the or? name, alternative okay. comedy, because it was so fucking insulting. Like, we're, no, we're still doing comedy, you assholes. <laughs> we're just thinking yeah. about our jokes a little more. Do you think the word, so the word has no meaning, especially now, because yeah. there's no... They should have called it, like, crybaby comedy or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, now it, does, and it doesn't even have a meaning, because all comedy is, you know, guys like Aziz, you can't call him an alternative comic anymore, but that's yeah. kind of what he was in the beginning. Now he's a mainstream motherfucker, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, God, I'm cussing a lot on this. Sorry. I don't know. It's fine. Okay, my question is, how do you feel about balancing, you, you write for Marvel, you, do, you are a touring comedian, and you write for shows. Is that a hard thing to balance with your family and No, it just comes from, I mean, the reason you do a podcast is just, yeah. it comes from wanting to stay busy, you oh. know? That was the main thing, and when I moved to L.A., I had some, I was given some bad info, you know, I had like an agent go, you know, you're writing sketch now, but you know, and then I would do stand up, and he's like, "Man, you don't really need to do that anymore. You know, you got to focus on one." And I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> I, I want to do as much as I can, so I stay busy and I have a career." Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. So that's what I've always done. And you know, if I want to direct a video with Steel Panther or you know, or whatever I whatever I like, I'll yeah. do that. You know. And you've created a a character type. Do you feel like you created? a character type that only you can sort of fit in? Because I was thinking about the fact that I, I know who you are without knowing specifically where I first... Maybe it's because I was born in 1989, so I'm young, too. So there's a body of your work Jesus before I existed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 1989. Yeah. yeah. Where were you in 1989? <laughs> Selling hip-hop at a fucking Tower Records in Sacramento. I was the hip-hop buyer. Because it was very suburban. <laughs> so I was the blackest kid in, <laughs> in Citrus Heights where I lived. Uh, no, that's true. I did that, and I was also, you know, uh, Tower was like my last day job. Uh, go see the Tower documentary. If anybody ever worked at a record store or misses them, 
uh, Colin Hanks did a fucking amazing documentary about uh, uh, Tower Records and just what happened and, you know, Napster and all that stuff. Uh, but that was my last day job. I worked at Two Towers. Oh, wow. And uh, that was, that's... So you went straight from there to MTV? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like within a year and a half. Because oh. I moved to San Francisco. I left my record store job in Sonoma and then moved to... Because uh, first I was in Sacramento. I broke my back. I did a bunch of dumb stuff. Uh, <laughs> I had to move in back in with my mom because oh. I... Uh, broke my back at 24 just being drunk and stupid okay so i kind of had a restart i went to la twice i went to long beach one time and uh just drank every day and was stupid <laughs> and uh jumped off a lifeguard tower oh my god uh, yeah because i thought i was johnny knoxville before he existed and uh i didn't know how to land and uh i just broke my spine compressed fracture of the l3 wow. vertebrae so that's like when I got serious. I was staying at my mom's wearing kids called me turtle when I was a kid because I looked like a turtle. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I'll fucking I know who just laughed. That's the funniest part. She's one of the comments. I before see her. <laughs> <laughs> when see? somebody insults you and you can see them. You can see her at the mill tonight <laughs> at seven. No, because I mean I do look like you know, my net. <laughs> And I had a that, green jacket. You think came... that would be your first stage name? <laughs> no, because I was trying to get rid of that so hard. <laughs> I moved to a new school in fourth grade in Sonoma. I went from San Jose to Sonoma, and uh, I had a green jacket. And this kid goes, "You look like a turtle," and that stuck with me for <laughs> eight years, I think, all the way through senior year, from f whatever fourth grade to senior year is, how many years that is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> So, yeah, but then, so when I was staying with my mom, I actually was a turtle. They put me in this giant thing to uh, to help my back. Uh. So I had this big plastic fucking shell. Like Frankenstein. <laughs> and then I'd go to the grocery store with my mom in our hometown, and kids were like, oh, my God, he is a turtle. <laughs> He's becoming a turtle. <laughs> it was terrible. But so at that time, I that's got the shell off, and then <laughs> started working at Tower in Sonoma. Raised wow. money, got a car, and then went to San Francisco. Oh, nice, nice. So during that time that you were a tur literally a turtle, you were honing your craft as yeah. a comedian. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching half hour comedy hour, being super bitter, going those motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm funnier than that dude, <laughs> Elon Gold. Um, I'm just <laughs> that's so mean. I like Elon, but anyway. Uh, he was one of the guys that got me mad when I was, it was like, like 1991, and I'm sitting in my mom's shitty apartment, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I, want, I should be on MTV, because I had already started. I started in 87, so, but anyway. I didn't exist then, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know! <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your writing style. I just, I just read some, some Deadpool today to refresh my memory of it, and you co-wrote that, correct? Uh -huh. what, was, what was that experience like? Because that's so loaded with jokes, well, yeah, that's what we wanted to do. Um, I liked when Spider-Man was funny when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I miss I miss when superheroes had quips, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like, nah, I miss my uncle, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, that was always part of Peter Parker, but he wasn't having a <laughs> boo-hoo party every single day. <laughs> You know, he was, like, swinging around and making fun of Green Gobby and saying other <laughs> shit. Like, hey, put a hat on or whatever. I don't know. Something. I don't even know what that means, but you know what I mean? Like, he was, he had funny, sarcastic shit to say while he's swinging around. And yeah. he doesn't do that anymore. 
And I saw Deadpool as an opportunity to write that kind of comic, and so did Jerry, my writing partner. Uh, like the first story arc we did, we wanted it to be Ghostbusters. We that wanted was... it to be like a summer movie. Yeah. If no that's... one's re- uh, if no one's read it before, it's the presidents of the past come back to life yeah. and terrorize the planet Earth. Yeah. Um, or America specifically. Yeah. Dead presidents. <laughs> dead yeah. presidents. Yeah. And who's your Who's your favorite president? Uh, dead president or let's go dead let's go dead uh reagan um he was the most fun to write (laughs) because he was already a freak when he was alive (laughs) and then we i i wrote this whole thing that we didn't even use but i wanted because i thought if reagan came back to life the first thing he would do is go find nancy so i had the reanimated corpse of uh, Reagan show up at Nancy's house and the Secret Service guys fucking flip their lids and they're like, oh my god, and they have to fucking take this guy down. That they, you know, <laughs> and he wastes all of them. And yeah. and uh, Marvel Comics was like, nope, <laughs> 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 leave that out, yeah. leave that little sidebar out, you weirdo. Because <laughs> then he kills Nancy and brings her brings her with him, which I. I thought it would be funny. Yeah. At the time... And they didn't let me kill the Kardashians either. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I wanted to, for real. Well, in the comic. uh, And they made me... Like, we had to change them so they wouldn't sue. Like Kim Kardashian's reading Deadpool. (laughs) Or anybody in that camp is reading comic books. I, I seriously doubt it, but yeah. Anyway. Um, but as far as writing it, you know, it came because I, well, that's the thing. So when I wanted to stay busy, I learned other ways of writing. I mean, I, I learned sketch writing with by being under, you know, the wing of Bob and David. That was one of my first jobs. And so I learned from those guys. And then I wrote some screenplays with some people. Bobcat Goldthwait and I wrote a couple of movies back then that no one ever saw. Um, and then I wrote movies with Patton and I learned that. Uh, you know, that kind of writing. And then sitcom stuff and all these other things. And comic books always was something I loved, and it just made sense. Like once, and we wrote an independent comic called Last Christmas, Me and Jerry. Huh. So that's how the Marvel thing came about. And as far as the discipline, it's the same thing. of Just force yourself to sit down and, you know, pound yeah. it out. But other than that, you know, it's a pretty similar I mean, it's different, but it's all the same. Yeah. At the time that you started writing for Marvel, though, what, there was no connection between Star Wars and Marvel. No. Right? But now there is. Yeah. And I know Jerry wrote one of those new Chewbacca comics. Yeah. Uh, I know that you have, um, let's say, a distaste for George Lucas. Yeah. Um, but now you're kind of I'm the last guy they're going to let write is <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> I'll do the killing jar, and it'll be uh, the Joker will show up and um, shoot Jar Jar in the spine and put him in a wheelchair. <laughs> but thank you. I, I'm just saying, like now <laughs> you're sort of in a, a roundabout way connected to the Star Wars universe. Like you could potentially write, co-write yeah. a Star Wars comic book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How does, now you have that power. Are you? Is that f- a fearful concept to you? No, no. I mean, I, I'm not as... I mean, I'm definitely a nerd, and I, I definitely do feel really strongly about how shitty those three movies are. <laughs> but I'm not that... It's not like I'm obsessed. <laughs> like, I have other things I think about. 
The know? only thing I never... And they're like, the yeah. movie, I'm going to see the movie. Uh-huh. I have to. Do you have hope? Do you have faith in J.J.'s? I, I don't really love J.J. Abrams. I'm uh-huh. not a fan, but uh, I think it's better than The Old Man. The Old Man was clearly inept and, uh, <laughs> you know, had to be, have the movies taken away from him and, you yeah. know, break his fingers with a hammer. And uh, Yeah. I hope somebody did that, right? Did somebody do that? <laughs> did anybody, somebody forget to break Lucas's fingers? And I worship George Lucas. I spent so much money on that guy's bullshit. And uh, now, to me, I look at those two movies as betrayal. <laughs> to me, it's like your uncle put his wiener near your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Nothing creepy, not when you're a kid. I mean, now. I mean, now. You're in your 30s. Your uncle's your bro. He's like your favorite person in your family. You hate your mom, you hate your grandma, but uncle's cool. He got me high, he bought me my first Trojan. And then you're at Christmas. Everybody's asleep, you're watching Letterman, and you're like, what's by my ear? Oh, fuck! My uncle's trying to put his wiener in my mouth. That's what Phantom Menace was like. As a nerd. I want to talk about the evolution of your uh, acting career. Uh-huh. Because uh, you've gone from being guy in table number nine uh, in The Wedding Singer to you have a movie coming out where you're starring in it called yeah. Uncle Nick. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was... Uh something I thought would never happen, you know, um, that, not that I'm, it just, I, I just felt like I wasn't going to get that kind of break. And then these guys wrote this script and came to me and it was super funny and it was dark <laughs> and, uh, weird and, and, uh, I loved it. So yeah, we did that about two years ago and then dark star or dark sky. They do, uh, they're, uh, uh, they do mostly horror films. They found it, and it's it's a dark Christmas comedy, um, but they're they're putting it out next month, so I'm, I'm yeah, stoked. That's exciting, super exciting, <laughs> man! And it came out great, and I'm like, I really can't believe it's happening, you know. Um, and then we got to fill it with a bunch of my friends, Scott Adsit's in it, and uh, Missy Pyle and and Paget Brewster, other people that I've known forever, you know. So it, it's a, it's a cool thing. And then I'm like doing a horror movie next, where I get to play the bad guy, and and. Uh, yeah, I kind of, but I was, I was never impatient about it. Like I, I always wanted to do more than just walk in and say something stupid and walk out. And I love doing that too. Like <laughs> the sitcom stuff that I got to do was so fun, just to play the weirdo and just to come in and say shit and then make everybody go, "What just happened?" And then walk out. Those are fun. But then I always wanted, you know, something with a little more meat. And oh. to finally get to do that, you know, it's been awesome. Was it a challenge at all? Was it a Absolutely, because <laughs> it was the most shit I've ever had to do. And I've yeah. never worked with an acting coach. And I went on my own and before the production hired an acting coach and just mm-hmm. worked with her and, and then worked with the girl that I had the scene with and, yeah. you know, uh, a couple scenes with because I have to seduce this, my 19-year-old it's so gross. <laughs> it's my my brother remarries this woman or marries this woman and she's got a 19-year-old daughter and it's Christmas and I'm trying to fuck her. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Sounds but like it's a lot, it's of, a lot of fun and it's yeah. really dark and, and uh, I think people will dig it. But that, yeah, it was the most shit I've ever had to do. I was in every scene. Yeah, so, that's... <laughs> you know, and it wasn't just walk in, be dumb and walk out. I had to, you know, actually 
have emotions and you yeah. Know. How many how many parts have you ever had where you have to cry? Like not too many. Yeah. We, on Sarah Silverman, we had one of my favorite episodes we ever did was uh, me and Steve Agee. Uh, we it's after I think we're married because we got married in the final season of that show, and uh, we wanted to have a baby and and we couldn't adopt because we we're two stoner gay guys. Nobody was gonna <laughs> let us adopt a baby. <laughs> So we're just fat stoners, not the gay thing. It was more just that we <laughs> were irresponsible. We try to eat the baby uh, when we're super high. So the show, we uh, we made a robot and then we brought him to life using Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and then the F- the robot starts killing people. So the FBI comes and the Adam Scott, great funny guy, mm-hmm. he plays this FBI guy and he kills our robot and then. Rob Schraub, our maniac director, he does community and a bunch of other stuff. He's insane, and he's huh. doing the next Lego movie. He's one of the smartest, funniest weirdos I've ever worked with. And he wanted us. He came to us and goes, I wrote this thing. You're going to think it's nuts, but I want you guys to play it so real. You know, <laughs> I want you to, to think your baby died, you know? And, uh, and I had just had a baby All right. in yeah. real life, and my son was one, and, you know, or, or maybe not even one at that point. So I just used it, and I, like, because I'd never had real training. So I just, uh, this is so weird. Uh, you know that song by the Boomtown Rats, uh, uh, I Don't Like Mondays? It's about like one of the first spree killers. It's about that girl in San Diego that shot a bunch of people. Super <laughs> cheery. God, I'm, a, I'm an asshole. Anyway, <laughs> I listened to this, the fucking Tori Amos version of that. So if you think the Boomtown Rats made that song yeah. somber, <laughs> put put uh, that little waif yeah. uh, in her, you know, her voice. So I had that in my headphones, and then I was picturing my kid dead, and then I would go in. I worked, you know, because <laughs> he wanted me to really, really cry. So that's what worked, and and Steve couldn't do it, and then Steve saw me do it. And was like, ah, that fat ass can do it. And yeah. then he was like, and I'm going to imagine his kid What did dead you too. do? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, what did you do? And I go, oh, I'm listening to Tori Amos and pretending my kid's dead. <laughs> I swear, that's what happened. And then he goes, oh, fuck. Yeah. And then he went and found a song. I don't even know what he listened to, but he went and found something and then came back and we both banged it out. We both did, you know, us. And it's a great episode. It's one of my, f- I'm really proud of it still. But that show is like, yeah. you know. And you played stoners in that show. And yes. It's famous for some reason that you stopped smoking pot. I couldn't, because stoners are like, hey, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave us. <laughs> I got so much shit from stoners <laughs> when I quit. I was just like, come on, But the guys. logic was just, was just you, you were just done with it? or you? I just wanted to, you know, I had smoked since my 20s, and, mm-hmm. and uh since you weren't even born. I know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, You're like, I've had enough epiphanies. Yeah, no, and so I uh, I just, and it was also to see if I could do comedy without it, uh. and I could. You know, I could still find the surreal dumb shit, and, you know. <laughs> I was a little worried that I wouldn't be able to tap into weird shit, you know, because I always felt like that was a, it was a crutch. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it was, I didn't act like it was a crutch. It was a crutch. <laughs> like, I would get high and write. But uh, and then I didn't for two years, and I still wrote the same dumb shit. So, huh. speaking of uh, stoners being disappointed in you, in you, which is a weird situation to be in, stoners looking down at you. Uh-huh. Uh, do you feel like at any point you like 
that you set up expectations of who you are through the work you've done that sometimes people get dis disappointed at? There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but I'm real cool to my fans. So I, I may, I, I always try to make the, the actual personal experience. Yeah. I don't want that to be disappointing, uh. but you know, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, the metalhead ones, those are the ones that, boy, <laughs> if they saw me drive my kid to work listening to Morrissey, they'd be like, what the fuck? You know, those are the guys that will really disappoint because I'm not the metalhead 100, you know, 24-7. Yeah. You know? But uh, I don't know. I just don't really – I try not to think about that. That was mainly why I quit because I didn't want to be pigeonholed as one thing. Like, I felt like I'm already – like I've got the nerdy comic thing, but I didn't want to be just the nerdy metal stoner. I wanted to shed the stoner thing. You know what I mean? Or was it the sort of thing where <laughs> where you almost would smoke pot just because you felt the fans wanted you to? <laughs> wanted it, was to never, it was never like that. Okay. Like, the, I'm going to let them down if I don't do this. But it was never like, <laughs> yeah. No, that's really sad. <laughs> no, it was never like that, but it, it, there was definitely a part of like, Fuck you guys, let me just do this, you know? Let me just prove I can do it, really. We'll be right back with more It's All True after the break. And when we return, you'll hear Brian Posehn's funny, personal, true story. Well, I've been sicker than this on stage. Um, twice. I lost, my, uh, I lost my voice. But for now, let's hear what's going on at Touch Vision. Hey, I'm Eric Niewerowski, and did you know that there's a church in Indiana that is centered around smoking weed? The state where we're growing love by the pound. It's called the First Church of Cannabis. I spent the day with the church's founder. Yeah, it's that old hippie thing, Peace Love Woodstock. Yeah. We compress it and shoot it out of bazooka at everybody, and it just goes boom. And I even took in the service. I love you! Check out We Church My Day as a Canitarian on touchvision.com right now. Well, not right now. Finish Tim's podcast Tim welcome back to the it's all true podcast I'm your host Tim Barnes and in each episode I ask a guest to reveal a headline for a funny personal true story this week's guest is comedian Brian Posehn here's his headline uh, comic shits in bucket uh, <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> well, I've been sicker than this on stage um, twice. I lost my uh, I lost my voice uh, doing fun, fun, fun fest in Austin, Texas, about six or eight years ago. And uh, my buddy Eugene Merman and I had done a lot of stand up together at that point, so he kind of knew my act that I was doing. And I just went up to him, and I, I'm hoarse, and I just go. Hey man, will you come out on stage with me and I'll just tell you my jokes and you'll do them. <laughs> and I brought Eugene Merman and if you don't know Eugene, our styles are so fucking different. So it was awesome to see him doing my dumbass dick jokes. <laughs> and he we sold it and it crushed. Like, I was like, wow man, you should always do my act. Yeah. But there was no sort of jealousy in the moments, like while he's crushing with your jokes. No, no, not at all, because I wrote them, <laughs> and I was there, and I was getting laughs from like whispering to him. You know, okay. like every level of it, people loved. Like they they really enjoyed it, and they knew it was real. 
you know, because they could hear that I could barely speak. So that was really fun. And then, uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how this story is going to end, but (laughs) I I got really sick and I I had to fly to Miami. When when was this? uh, Ten years ago. Okay. And I... How do I tell this story? I've never told this. I fly to Miami, but before I go to Miami, I'm really sick, and I I go see my doctor. I go, hey, I can't shake this. Uh, I've got diarrhea, and I'm throwing up, and I I feel really terrible. I've got a fever, but I have to go. I can't, you know, it was like the show was a day later, and there's, you know, there's always repercussions when you cancel on stuff. You know, you you can get sued even. And uh, so I didn't want to cancel. And then she goes, I think you're, you know, you're okay to travel, you know, but just stay near a bathroom. And luckily there's a couple on a plane. And uh, it was awful. And I flew all the way out there. Uh-huh. And uh, then she calls me and goes, you have a parasite. And uh, I go, what? I didn't even <laughs> really know what that entailed. And she goes, what have you eaten lately? And I go, $1.50 sushi? Could that be it? Dollar fifty sushi give you it, and she's like, "Oh my god, you idiot!" Like, but wait, what? How did she learn at that point that you had a parasite? Well, she did the test. She did the test. That's okay. what I'm saying. So okay. I left LA. She tested me. Yeah. And by the time I got to Florida, she figured out what was wrong with me. <laughs> but now I'm stuck in a you know a Hilton in Miami. Wah. But anyway, <laughs> but seriously, fuck Miami. Uh, fuck that place and its dirty hobo butthole. Miami. Oh, I'm man. guessing you don't like it. No, not at all. Uh, anyway, we get me on antibiotics, but like all day in the hotel, I'm sick. And then I get to the show, and I'm in the green room. Lights are off, like because I had like um, light sensitivity and all this. It was so brutal. And I'm puking in a bucket and shitting in the bucket on top of my puke, and then puking on my shit and. <laughs> The, guy, the comics working with me are just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, that was one time I had the green room to myself. <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't have to hang out with the feature in the opener that week. Uh, they were hanging in the bar. Going, did it get to the point that you got used to it? <laughs> well, they, we had a guest set so I could do less time. And um, I brought the bucket out on stage with me. And I'm like, I might shit in this bucket, you guys. <laughs> Because you didn't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, but I didn't shit. But, uh, and I made it through those sets, and everybody was super, people were so happy that I still performed, you know. They could see me sweating, yeah. you know, and, and looking terrible and, and right in front of them. And so they knew that I was, you know. Yeah, you were on a tightrope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the story. Yep. Uh, is there anything else you want me to ask you? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny, man. <laughs> well, that's the show. I'd like to give a special thanks to the producers of the Witching Hour Festival, the Englert Theater in Iowa City, and Arish Singh. If you dig the show, please subscribe to the It's All True podcast in iTunes and, I don't know, tell your mom about it or something. My Twitter handle is TimBarnes451, and you can follow the show at All True Podcast. Until next time, this is Tim Barnes signing off saying, 
I believe in you. 